This is Judy Jean Kwan, your host. America Redefined is a part personal diary, part interview, and hopefully a part resource podcast for immigrants, where we explore the American immigrant experience, and I want to share with you what it's really like to be an immigrant in America. What is the American dream? What is your American dream? Is it something only reserved exclusively for U.S. citizens? And is it something illegal immigrants and those that are not considered American not allowed to have? Mariana is a Mexican-American. She has lived in Mexico as long as she has lived in America. She has lived in Mexico 21 years and she came to America when she was 21 and now she's been in America exactly 21 years. So she is a half and half. Mariana is originally from Mexico City. Then her family moved to Baja California in Tijuana right by the border where her dad had a store in a street called Revolucion Avenida or should I say Avenida Revolucion <laughs> my Spanish is pretty bad in Tijuana in Baja California you know where that place is that's the place where when you guys were young and wanted to get loaded and wanted to go south of the border right across to Baja it's that place where they had all the tourist stuff Mariana's dad had a store on Revolution Avenue, where they sold t-shirts to tourists, to American tourists. And um, here's a story of Mariana and how she crossed over to the other side. I crossed the border and I moved to America the day I turned 21. Not because I said, oh, that's my birthday. It was really a coincidence. Okay, so there were these guys that I went to school and I grew up with in Tijuana that they also were struggling with their university payments and just like they wanted to have money in their pockets as me. And even if we start as janitors or cleaning lady or something, we might later meet someone uh, from the office that we clean and they will give us a job in that office. And from there we can keep um, getting better jobs. Like, they, And one of them said, yeah, you know, like my cousin did that and he got his green card in this MacArthur Park. And I said, wow, that sounds amazing. I'll go with you guys. They're like, oh, Mariana, you're not going to do it. Like, come on, you're not going to do it. And I spoke the language. I thought I spoke fluent. That's another plus. I thought <laughs> by then that my English was perfect. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, Anyhow, I arrived, I took the bo the first bus from the Greyhound station, I arrived to Alameda on 7th in Alameda at 6 a.m. So the buses, they were still not working, city buses. I slept for an hour on a bench in the Greyhound. And when I woke up, there was this black guy that said, happy birthday. 
And I'm like, wow, it is my birthday. How does he know? Maybe he looked at my passport and my things while I was sleeping. But I'm like, no, my passport is with me. It's like I checked and it was like next to my chest inside on under my clothes, like just next next to my skin. So I really think Los Angeles, it's called Los Angeles because there's angels. And this was an angel, and it was an angel, because it was like the sweetest smile. Then at 7, when the buses start working, I'm like, where am I going to go? Because I did not have a plan. Like, I'm like, all right, I'm going to arrive, and I'm going to clean the house. I, I didn't have a plan of how am I going to do it. So I decided to go to Santa Monica, because I've been there, and I'm like, well, at least there's the ocean, and I don't know, I feel more safe than being in this sketchy place. Like, 21 years ago, downtown was not at its best especially at that time in the morning so I jumped in the bus I didn't have change for the bus I only had 60 dollars and the bus driver is like oh no no don't worry don't worry like if you don't have change keep your money I mean it really was a nice welcoming it was a really nice fresh start then I arrived to Santa Monica and like like strolling around walking here walking there I'm like how am I gonna do this like how am I going to make it happen? I'm like, you know, I'm going to call this phone number that I have. I mean, maybe, like, where am I going to sleep today? Like, I mean, I, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with your brother, Benjamin. Happens that it's he has an advertising agency, a Hispanic ad- advertising agency, one of the first ones. And um, he said, well, you know, I would love to meet you. I really like uh, my brother's friends. When do you think we could meet? I'm mm, right now. I'm available. I'm free. Like, yeah. Like, where are you? I'm in Santa Monica. Oh, it's very close. I'm here in West Olympic. Oh, perfect. I had no clue where that was, but I'm like, oh, I'll arrive there. man. <laughs> I'll be there. So by 10 a.m., I was already in his office. <laughs> and uh, he offered me a job as a office manager this girl trained me for one day she totally realized that I had no clue but she was so nice she felt like so empathetic her mom had arrived from Guatemala with she and her two brothers many years before as a single mom with three kids by herself so she hooked me and I stayed with her cousin in Koreatown. It was a li- one lifetime experience, but it happened that day. The American dream. For my family, it was a very different experience. I didn't come to America by choice. My mom is a second generation Korean American who was born and raised here and served in the United States military. My dad is a Korean-American immigrant. He met my mom here in the United States, and they got married. They divorced. My mom and my dad had a very rocky marriage, and my mom was also in the U.S. military. So I went back and forth from America to Korea a lot, and I was being raised by my grandmother in Korea. So I considered Korea my home. For, so for me, it was on my choice to come to America Just like you and everybody else, we all have parents and we are bound by their choices. So I didn't really have an American dream to follow. It was to fulfill my dad's idea of 
his American dream. My dad didn't come here to America for economic prosperity, despite most stereotype. Some of us that come to America are wealthy, and I was one of those. So my dad's idea of the American dream was not for economic reasons. The America he knew was in the movies, specifically cowboy movies. <laughs> He thought of America as cowboys and Indians, and freedom, and vast open space, of guns, arrows, and the wild, wild west. So my dad's idea of the American dream was American liberty and freedom to be who he wanted to be, and to be his own man. This office they were asking me oh when are you gonna bring your your green card your social security and I I remember that my friends had told me that there's a park called MacArthur and you go and you get your green card and your birth certificate and this and that I'm like I mean we I still had my $60 by the end of the week I had like probably 40 and I'm like okay this weekend this weekend they're the, I forgot it in, in in San Diego they're like mailing it to me whatever lie I made and man like that 21 years ago MacArthur Park was crazy like they will like in the moment you will like put a step there there were people offering you anything like I, I'm I start like I left I start running I'm like no 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 this is too scary I started running and there was a peacock following me you know and then the uh, and he stopped and he's like where are you going is everything okay and I saw the guy inside the pickup a truck and I kind of felt <laughs> I can I kind of felt safe around him I don't know he gave me the vibe that I could trust him I'm like well you know I'm looking for a green card and a social security like oh okay yeah yeah I know that like but it's so scary and like like listen don't worry Jump on my truck, and I'll take care of that. You won't even have to leave the truck. Like, I'll call. I know these guys. They'll come to the truck, take a picture. Then, like, a few minutes later, they'll come with all, all the paperwork, okay? I remember he was playing, Like a puppet, me pull my little string. Na, 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 na. <laughs> that song, no? Oh. He was what you call a cholo. He had, he had like long shorts, like long Bermudas, Chicano. He was originally from Michoacan. He was illegal as well, but had arrived like when he was a baby. He had like long socks, his tennis, his little mustache. And he told me that he was like, he was like a master, like one of the best I've Adel Torito Mecánico, like one of those me mechanic bulls that you ride <laughs> in the rodeo. <laughs> and that he was a gardener. And super sweet guy because the combo of a green card, social security, and birth certificate was like $80, and I had 40 And he said, don't worry, I'll pay the rest, and when you're famous, you'll pay me back. And these guys... 
sure enough, they came to the pickup, took my picture, and they came back with all the combo package that included this green card where they had pasted the picture they took before, but they had, instead of like cutting the hairline nicely, they did like this craving pumpkin haircut, like these triangles. I look like a punk, but completely fake, you know, like a fake Monopoly money. But it, I never showed it to anyone, that uh, those papers, but it made me feel an American citizen. It gave me that confidence. String. Sometime later, I went to a bank to open a bank account. And I was sitting with these nice people opening my bank account. And I said, well, I'm 21. And then they're like, well, what's your social security? So I gave them the social security. And they're like, are you sure? Because, I mean, if you are 21, you were born in 74. And this social security is from the 1960. Oh, my God, I got so scared that I ran away. Like, I stand up, and I did not even say hi, nothing. I just, like, left and ran back to my office. It was at an office break. And it took me years to have a, a bank account. The checks that I will get, I will, like, go to these um, places where you can cash your check, and they uh, take some percentage. I forgot how much. It's a big percentage. Later on, I opened a bank account with a real social security. Many years later, I, after a while, I, I started writing commercials, so I was a copywriter. And one thing took me to the other. Next thing, I was a voiceover. And, and I had a morning radio show for two years until this girl that hated me, that I knew, she went to the office to say that I was illegal. It was a it was this friend of a friend of mine and she went out of her way to say that she knew that I was illegal. So next morning but I this is I already had a FM morning radio show <laughs> for 2 years. That next morning I did the radio show and when I and I could see my bosses were looking at me with this weird face and they called me to the manager's office and they're like listen don't worry everything's okay you just need to say the truth go well, is it true that you're illegal oh my god i start like crying i'm like well they're like we want you to keep working here well we're gonna talk with our lawyers and see what's the next step so in a way this girl did a good for me because then they spoke to the lawyers and I was able to issue an O-1 visa. And with that O visa, you get O-1 visa, you get a social security. And, and, and next thing, five months later, I had my working visa, I had my social security bank account, uh, an amazing boyfriend. And I had a, a news TV show and, and I had a radio morning show. And I was 20, old I was there, 24 or 20, yeah, 24. So it was, it was beautiful. Though probably, yeah, that was really, really beautiful. 
So as Mariana has mentioned about the check cashing place, there are various check cashing places around us that people with no documents, such as illegal immigrants, could go and cash their checks. And I'm sure you've seen them around. They charge an enormous amount of fees. So let's say that you have a $100 check that you need to get cashed. And they will charge you. Let's see. So let me call one of these guys and find out how much their fees are. Yeah, hi. I just wanted to find out how much is it, uh, or how much is your fee to cash a check? Okay, so depending on the amount. Okay, so like, is there like a scale or something like that? I'm sorry. No. So how much would it be for like a hundred dollar, a uh, hundred dollar check? Oh, you don't give quotes. How would I find out? Like, do I just? Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. Oh, so I now called a couple of check cashing places and they refuse to give quotes over the phone. But it looks like it's about 5%. So for a $100 check, you would have to pay $5. But who knows what other charges and fees there are. But 5% is pretty high to get your check cashed. Considering that, you know, I I am a, obviously a legal citizen of the United States and I belong to a, ba- a bank and it's free. They don't, you don't get charged anything to cash your checks, but if you're an illegal immigrant, you have to pay 5%, roughly. Um, seems like about 5% that they won't tell you over the phone, so don't quote me on it because they won't give me a quote. And also, as Mariana pointed out, that she pays into Social Security because you know how when you get your paycheck every week, they take money out automatically? You know how at the end of the year when you are filing your taxes, you get a chunk of money back? As an illegal immigrant, if you're undocumented, you can't claim any of that money back, i.e. like Social Security when they're older, they don't get any of that or they don't get any of the tax returns. So back to Mariana. She has finally achieved her American dream and is living the good life now. It looks really fancy, the job, but it was like radio. It has always been known to be very machist, is very much very guy oriented, machismo. In English, in Spanish, in general market, in all the markets, it, like radio has been controlled by men. We know that has always been. I mean, they they were guys that they were like they were really angry that I that I was that I had the morning radio show, and I saw it in Univision and I saw it in in the radio. Latin girls, they kind of like get flatter when guys, the bosses, are like, oh, you look nice today. Oh, can you bring me this, darling? And, you know, they play that game and, and they're fine with it. But I wasn't fine with that. And and so I got in a lot of trouble with a lot of guys. I guess it, it got to a point that it was just like too much. And I one time I did explode it and I kicked this guy on his balls. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> he kicked me back on my conch. 
next thing we're both in uh, in the manager office and they send us to anger management online and I'm like no I'm not gonna do this like I know that he's the one that flats the tires of my car one time also I went I came from a concert at nighttime the radio show started at 5 a.m I went straight from the concert to the radio station and I slept there and this guy was there he was drunk and he was like ah oh, you know let's let's fuck I'm like, what? Like, yeah, you, we don't have to make love. I mean, just like, fuck, just to feel our bodies warm. And next morning, I went to complain and say what happened. And they're like, oh, my God, this guy. And probably they told him, like, don't do that. But he was still there. So I went with a lawyer, and that was history. That was history, because, I mean, who, the most stupid move you can do because, I mean, it's a millionaire company, and I'm by myself. Next thing, I have, like, no savings. The lawyer has ate all my savings. The case was still not solved. They still hire me again a few years later. But the, And there was another management, and I told them, you know, I have a working visa. It's expiring. I don't mind paying the lawyer, but you have to do all the paperwork. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it. And the, And they never did it. They never did it. So my visa got expired. And once your O1 is expired and you have work under illegal status, mm -hmm. it's impossible to get and again. You're back, you're back to being illegal. Then. You're back to being illegal. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm at a point right now where, according to all the immigration lawyers I talk, my only, the only way as a Mexican that I can get legal is by marrying a citizen. That is a very difficult place to be in, between a rock and a hard place. Are immigrants or even non-Americans not allowed to have the same freedoms and rights as the rest of us Americans have? That was just fortunate enough to be born into it? Why do we have to repress a group of people and feel like we can't share? If you're not an American Indian, America is not yours. You are a guest just like the rest of us. Okay, let's just say, for example, just because my wicked stepsisters called dibs on my dad's car doesn't make it theirs. I know as a wicked stepsister, it's easier to blame Cinderella for all your woes and not look at the real problem, which is your mom who's crazy in the membrane and is telling you a bunch of lies and making you into a hater, saying that it's Cinderella's fault that you didn't get the prince. I know it's easier to see things black and white and blame somebody than to see the reality, which is many shades of gray. There's a lot of reasons why you probably didn't get that prince. <laughs> but is it really Cinderella's fault you didn't get the prince? And is it really because of the immigrants that you don't have a job? My grandmother's experience as an illegal immigrant trying to become a legal citizen was a nightmare and was impossible. The American immigration system, as it is, 
is already difficult and it has a lot of flaws and a lot of holes and it doesn't make any sense. I got my grandmother a lawyer and took her to the courts and basically they told me that my grandmother will never get legal or ever be recognized in the United States. The only way you could become an American citizen is to be petitioned by your mom or dad or your son or daughter, which is your immediate family. Well, my grandmother's mom and dad passed away long, long, long time ago, and her only uh, son was my dad, who passed away. So she had no immediate family, and I was the next of kin, and I couldn't do anything for her. So my grandmother lived in America and died in America, not being recognized as a human being. Does that make my grandmother less of a human being because she's an illegal immigrant and she had no choices to be legal? And does it also make Mariana less of a human being because she's an illegal immigrant and her only option is to marry a U.S. citizen? Um, I, I haven't been able to leave the country in probably 11 years. Like, ugh, I'm in denial, probably more. I keep saying 10 years, but maybe 12. And it hurts. My dad is handicapped in Mexico, so he can't come here. And I mean, as any immigrant, my spirit is of, it's a, it's a spirit of traveling, of feeling a citizen of the world, you know, and just knowing that I cannot leave it, it's, it feels it feels very I feel trapped and there's many things that I can I cannot vote I mean there's like there's many things there's many things so I'm like a citizen class C or something uh, on the other hand I do know that I'm privileged to be in a city in a situation where I can walk at 10 p.m. at night and not be harassed it is way more safe I'm in the supermarket and I'm with a shopping cart and my bag is there and I don't have to like necessarily have it in my arm. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, I mean, so many things. I mean, like living in Mexico is as a woman is all day long you're harassed. Either you're beautiful or not. Either you have a six pack or like uh, six roll, rolls in your <laughs> stomach. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like a sport for guys to like call you, hey, mamacita, like intimidate you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm in a limbo. I for sure don't want to be in a place where I'm fearing that they're going to deport me. I don't also want to be in a place where um, I don't see any hope for, I mean, it looks for me right now that both countries, Mexico and United States, we're going to go through a really tough time with economy, mm -hmm. corruption. Uh, in America, it's racism, racism. And in Mexico, it's classism. Also, there's racism. Like, I don't know. Like, it, it's, it's, it's pretty sad. It, and, it, and it's hard to get a job in both places. It's hard to get a job in both places. And I have a, an American baby. 
I love the fact that he has no problem hugging a black kid than a nation kid than a Mexican kid than a blonde kid. This kid was really he's really born in diversity, and I love. I mean, I can't like I love when he to see that he has no problem. He goes to parks and talks and plays and cries with this diversity like that's the kind of human that that I want to raise and that's the kind of values that I want my my kid to have and it breaks my heart if I go to Mexico it's not like that there I it, it will be like I, I it breaks my heart to think that it's a very close possibility that I'll have to move back It breaks my heart, and not only breaks my heart, it, it makes me really scared. I have to make note here, the baby, American baby. What she means by American baby is the baby is white. The baby daddy is a middle-class, middle-aged white male. He is not involved in their lives right now. And she is a single mom raising this white, as white can be, baby all by herself. And this baby is so cute. I mean, you would never think that he came out of her because she is this Spanish-Mexican-looking lady with uh, a baby that looks like the Gerber baby. He is pale white with blue, blue eyes and blonde hair. And he is the cutest little, little thing ever. So as we know how difficult it is as a single mom raising a baby all by yourself, but Mariana is doing it all by herself and as an illegal immigrant and unable to get a job because she is undocumented. So that is Mariana's story. I guess for me, my American dream would be an America where everybody is accepted, where mainstream is not just white America, but the rest of the colors of the rainbow would be accepted into the main society of America as Americans, because that's what I am, an American. When I first came to America, my inner monologue, you know, that little voice that talks to you in your head and drives you crazy, um, was in Korean. And then one day I noticed it switched over to English. So this is a question I like to ask all my guests is, what language is your inner monologue speaking to you in? And here's Mariana's answer. I, I do catch myself having now both languages on my yeah so like you're speaking spanglish in your head yeah yeah, yeah that is really that, like that like the most uh automatic voices like you know like oh shit i can't believe it they're in english these days where is it i can't believe it oh my god no way that is so much no 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 it's it's so expensive like that just like the most automatic Now, when they're like bigger thoughts, when it's something more about the heart, more emotional, it's in Spanish. In my dreams as well, they're bilingual. 
So like, what about if you touch something hot? Ouch, caliente. It's, that, that one still yeah. in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've been here as long as he's lived. Lived in Mexico. Yeah. I'm, half, half your life. Half. Uh huh. I'm a half and a half. <laughs> if you want to share your immigrant experience, contact Judy at yomamarice at gmail.com. That's Y-O-M-A-M-A-R-I-C-E at gmail.com. And if you want to check out my other projects, check out my website at www.yomamarice.com. Stay tuned and see if you qualify for the O-1 visa. So from what I gathered about the O-1 visa, it's for artists and businessmen of extraordinary abilities. And by extraordinary abilities, I mean extraordinary abilities. An O-1 visa is a non-immigrant visa uh, which means it is a visa that is not for permanent residents in the United States, but it's only for temporary status as long as you are here doing that work of extraordinary ability. So once you stop working in your extraordinary ability work, your visa is expired and that means you need to go back to your country. So if you have a non-immigrant visa, you are not meant to stay in America indefinitely. It doesn't give you um, the rights as an immigrant visa would. Uh, Instead of having a non-immigrant visa, you want to have an immigrant visa, which is issued to persons that wishes to live in U.S. permanently. You have to go and apply for an EV-1 visa. An EV-1 visa is for persons that has the extraordinary abilities and then some. So here is Daniela Fussell talking to you in more details about the requirements of the O-1 visa and also the EV-1 visa. For artists of extraordinary ability and also... You can be a business person of extraordinary ability or scientist or something like that. So, But let's just talk about the artists because that's the most common O-1. The O-1 visa is a non-immigrant visa. It gives you a work permit for three years maximum at a time. It can be renewed indefinitely as long as you're here working in your field of extraordinary ability. Um, that can be proven either by uh, you've won a a once-in-a-lifetime award, such as an Oscar or a Grammy or an Emmy or or one of those Nobel Prize. If not, then it's uh, six categories, and you have to fulfill three out of them. You have to had a leading role for a production of distinguished reputation, or you have to have had a leading or critical role for uh, an organization of distinguished reputation. Um, You have to show critical or commercial success. You have to show significant recognition by peers or experts in the field and press. 
And then the last one would be uh, higher than average pay for what you do. And average meaning for someone in your field. And for the O1, you have to have an employer or a manager or an agent. And then you have to come here for uh, a specific event, specific work. So someone who just is good and maybe qualified, a star in Korea, but just say, oh, I'm thinking of coming to the US now, see how it goes, that won't work. They have to be, have to have a deal, an employer, either, either a production, that would take care of the sponsor requirement, the employer would be the sponsor, and um, the deal. And for the EB1 green card, the requirements are a little harder. Um, it's still also the high pay. It's also the awards. It's press. Another requirement is that uh, you may have published some scholarly articles. Also, there's been showcases about you. That would be in the case of a fine artist who has a gallery showing just on in their name, not a group showing or something like that. Judge the work of others in the field. Um, and then uh, a member of associations or organizations that require excellence from their members. So not that everybody can be a member, but only if you've proven yourself already. For further legal counsel, you could contact Daniela Fussell at d-f-u-e-s-s-e-l at fussell-law.com.